Turn with me to Matthew chapter 17. Just for your information, the, the account that we are paying attention to today is also recorded in Mark chapter 9, verse 1 to 20, and in Luke chapter 9, verse 28 to 36. There are some minor differences in those accounts, and that's what happens with the Gospels. And at times you have to read the different accounts so that you can have the full picture of what is going on. So we are focusing on Matthew 17, verse 1 to 9. The idea of a dying Messiah is is so hard for the disciples to comprehend. They don't expect the Messiah to die. But Jesus keeps on reminding them. This happens in Matthew 16, when Jesus tells them that uh, he will suffer and he will be killed. And Peter says it's not going to happen. But as if that's not enough, Jesus also asks his disciples for their complete commitment. He tells them in verse 24 of Matthew 16, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And then he proceeds to unpack that saying whoever wants to find his life will lose it, and whoever loses it will find it. Whoever wants to be my disciple must take up their own cross. I still don't understand why we read the Bible and we don't see that God expects us to take some responsibilities. I still don't understand that. I don't understand why we read the Bible and we don't see that God commands us to do things. He invites us to do things, to be part of what he is doing. I know that God is sovereign, and in his sovereignty, he expects us to take some responsibilities. After six days in Matthew 17, after six days, Jesus took with him three disciples, Peter, James, and John. 
and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. So Jesus takes three of disciples, of his disciples. He goes with them on a mountain to pray. He wants them to pray with him. And on that mountain, something happened, something that the disciples had never experienced before. Jesus is transfigured. He is transformed. He becomes on the outside what he is on the inside. For a brief moment, his humanity is unveiled and his glory is allowed to shine through. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Two of the Old Testament prophets, Moses and Elijah, prominent Old Testament prophets, appear and they are talking with Jesus. You read Luke, he tells you that they are talking about his death. So Jesus is going to die. Moses and Elijah are aware of that. They appear to talk with him about his death, to encourage him, to prepare him. To also encourage the disciples. Because Jesus was talking about his resurrection also. So seeing Moses and Elijah there proves that the resurrection is possible. There is life after death. Moses had died 1,400 years ago by this time, and Elijah had died at least 900 years ago. Then Peter comes up with a, a building project. In verse 4, he says, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter is like many of us. Peter understands that whenever God did something spectacular, people would commemorate that. There will be something that will be put there, whether it's an altar, there will be a spiritual mark for them to remember. He knows that. It's a tradition, it's an experience that he has had. Peter, like many of us, he is informed, but he is not yet transformed. He is still scratching the surface here. And by saying, let us build three shelters, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you, he is making Jesus and the prophets equal. He's treating them as equal. 
He's saying, in other words, there is no difference between the three of you. Let us just do something so we can remember all of you. He is informed. But he is yet to be transformed. And we do have Christians too who they are full of knowledge. But you don't see Christ in them. They will correct you. They will be the first one to tell you, no, you missed when, when you said that verse, you missed something there. there was, there's a comma that is supposed to be there, you missed it. They are quick to see when you do something wrong. It's like they have a gift. It's like there's a gift of criticism and that some people seem to have and others don't. All they see is what others they are doing wrong and that they will use that to make themselves feel and appear that what they are doing is right. One of the reasons I don't so much focus on what other churches do or preach or teach is because that is not my call. My call is to focus on God's truth and communicate it the best way I can to the people that the Lord has brought to my life. Whether someone else is doing it the wrong way there, that's not my problem. He will answer to God. And it shouldn't be your problem either. Do you know there's a lot that uh, we can teach from the Bible and we don't even have enough time to do it? Let me tell you, I, I, can, I can preach for two hours. Someone is saying, oh, please don't do it. <laughs> there is so much in God's word that we have no time to focus on what others are doing wrong. And when you look at yourself as a Christian, there is so much that you even haven't done or comprehended that you shouldn't have time to focus on what others are doing wrong. If you focused on what is right, maybe they will learn from you. This attitude of I know it all does not come from God. We should learn to submit to the Lord instead. <laughs> Let me tell you, God was not waiting for me to reveal his truth. And he wasn't waiting for you either. So why should we, what is it that makes us think, oh, I, I know it all and you need to listen to me. Peter thought that he knew. And this is not the first time we see him doing that. He's like many of us. Too much knowledge. 
that does not lead to application. Listen to what God says in verse 5. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. While he was still speaking, God responded. Jesus did not say anything. He was quiet. God responds. He's telling Peter, you don't understand. Jesus is greater than Moses and Elijah. Listen to him. Elijah is a great prophet. Moses is a great prophet. But Jesus is my son. Listen to him. Jesus is, is not just a, a prophet or a priest or a good moral teacher. He is the Messiah, the anointed one of God. He is God in person, in human flesh. He came down for you and me. Listen to him. He's not saying Moses is a false prophet or Elijah is a false prophet. He's saying, no, Moses and Elijah, as great as they are, they all point people to Jesus Christ. The reason Moses came is because of Jesus. The reason Elijah came is because of Jesus. The reason we have the Bible is because of Jesus. It's all supposed to point us to Jesus Christ. And that's what the Pharisees and the scribes were missing all the time. Listen to him. This is an invitation to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It is an invitation to receive Christ as the Son of God. If you are here and Jesus is not your Savior, the Father's voice is pointing you to his Son. And he is telling you, listen to him. Listen to what he has said. Listen to what he continues to say. If you are not saved, you should know that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And you need to listen to him. The point is clear here. Jesus is the focus of everything. Everything. He is not fast in our lives. He is everything. 
Those of you who like saying, put God first. Cancel that. Let God be everything in your life. Those of you who like classifying things, God first, then family, then church, then my job. You have missed the point. God is supposed to be everything and then everything flows from him. If God is everything in your life, you are going to be the kind of husband that God wants you to be. You're going to be the kind of father that God wants you to be. You're going to be the kind of wife that God wants you to be. The kind of woman that God wants you to be. The kind of, 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 of mother that God wants you to be. God has to be everything. You cannot put him on a list. He does not belong on a list. He belongs to your life. He does not come to visit. He moves in. He does not sit in the living room. He occupies every room. Every room. Your pastor, when I visit you, I'm, I'm comfortable. I can sit in the living room. And uh, I, I will live not knowing how the other rooms look like, right? But when God moves into your life, he needs to be in control of every role. I can tell you that uh, most of us struggle with submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He is the focus of everything. It is because of Jesus that we can claim to have life today. And because he's the focus of everything, then what we believe about him matters. What you think about Jesus matters. What you say about this Jesus matters. It matters a lot. You cannot outlive him. And you cannot live without him. He is the focus of everything. We must understand that this Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, was also crucified. He died in our place. He died so that we can have forgiveness. He died so that today we can look forward into a better place with the Father in heaven. He died, that's why we tell ourselves today that our brother Bob is in a better place. It is because Jesus died that we have hope. So what... This is a big deal. When God is saying listen to him, he is not giving a suggestion. He is commanding us to do so. He's not telling the disciples, oh, when he tells you what you want to hear, you can listen to him. No. Listen to him. And this is where we ask ourselves, do we really listen to Jesus when we claim to be believers, followers of Christ? 
do we really listen to him? See, listening here is not just hearing what he's saying. It is hearing and doing. We do that all the time, right? Tell my kid, uh, Wilji, can you take the trash out? And he's probably playing a video game. And he says yes. And then in the next 20 minutes, he's still playing the video game. And then I turn to him, Wilji, did you hear what I said? So, oh, yeah, I heard you. No, you did not. I did. What did I say? Oh, you, you asked me to take out the trash. Okay, what did you do? Oh, just sorry. And then he goes. To... <laughs> the word hearing in the Bible actually is the same word that is used for obeying. So when we are told to listen, it's not just knowing. It's knowing and doing. So when I ask, do we really listen to Jesus? I'm not asking whether we know what he's saying. It's whether we know and do. And that is what makes us different from others when we listen to him. He is the light of the world. Without him, we are lost. Without him, we are in the dark. Without him, we don't know our way. He is the savior, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is our redeemer. And therefore here, the disciples have an opportunity to see this Jesus in his glory. And they, God is allowing them to see that. And then he tells them, listen to him. And then listen to what happens. When the disciples heard this, they fell down to the ground terrified. But Jesus came and touched them telling them to get up. And he told them, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Moses and Elijah are gone. The Old Testament points us to Jesus Christ. Moses and Elijah are out of the picture and Jesus is there alone. So when God is saying, listen to him, it's a big deal. First, he allows them to see him in his glory. And then he tells them, this is my son, listen to him. God is actually saying that this is me. By allowing them to see Jesus in his glory, he is allowing them to see himself. And when he's telling them, listen to him, he's not saying that I, I am different from him. He's saying by listening to him, you are listening to me. We have people who claim, I believe in God, but I want nothing to do with Jesus. You don't believe in God. 
because Jesus said, no one can come to my father but by me. In John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come but by me. You cannot bypass Christ. Because in Christ, God is in human flesh. Listen to him. He's the focus of everything. Everything. The law and the prophets point us to Christ. And it is through Jesus that God invites us to be involved in what he is doing, to be part of his mission. It is through Jesus Christ. And listen to this. The encouragement to endure life in the valley comes from the mountaintop experience. The encouragement to endure life in the valley comes from our mountaintop experience. The mountaintop experience is what the disciples are going through right now, experiencing the transfiguration, seeing God's glory, and hearing the Father's voice. But they are going to go down the mountain. And down the mountain, they are going to face death. It is down the mountain that Jesus will be betrayed. The disciples will experience fear and discouragement. And they need to remember what happened on the mountain so that they can be encouraged down the mountain. Jesus told them in verse 9, as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. You and I as Christians have had and will continue to have those mountaintop experiences. Your first mountaintop experience began when Jesus came to your life. That day when you realize that you are a sinner and Jesus is the greatest savior and you submitted to him, that was the first mountaintop experience in your life. And some of us have had more experiences. There are days that everything in your life is going on so well that you, uh, you, you wake up in the morning and you just feel like praising the Lord. You change your, 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 your phone. When someone calls you, the voice says, I am blessed and highly favored. How can I help you? Mountaintop experience. You pray and you just, you, you just can tell that you are in this fellowship with the Lord. 
You look at your children, they are growing so well, they are loving the Lord, they are behaving well, your relationship is doing so well, your mountaintop experience. You study your Bible, you, everything is going on well in your life. You are on the mountain. And then you find yourself in the valley. Deep, dark valley. This could be a relationship conflict or an illness. Something happens in your life that breaks your heart. What this is teaching us is that when you find yourself in the valley, remember the mountain. Because the God that was with, you, was with you on the mountain is the same God that is with you in the valley. David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. You see, he understood that the God who prepared the path of righteousness and green pastures and still waters was also the God that would walk with him through the valley. The encouragement to endure life in the valley comes from our mountaintop experience. If there is anything that the enemy of our faith will want you to forget is the things that God has done in your life. And that's what you must keep on reminding yourself. Count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Count your blessings. Somebody said, when you find yourself struggling to sleep, instead of counting the sheep, talk to the shepherd. You know, psychologists say if you start counting, you will eventually fall into sleep. So just imagine a thousand sheep and you're counting them one by one. You will find yourself sleeping. Instead of counting the sheep, talk to the shepherd. He should be the focus of everything. You know, sometimes God denies you sleep so that you can spend time with him because you are too busy during the day. When you find yourself facing any kind of challenge, look back, see what God has done in your life, and allow that encouragement to help you trust him for what you are facing. He must be the focus of everything. Let me finish with this passage here. In 2 Peter chapter, chapter 1, from verse 16. 
Pira 6. Let me make sure I have the right. Yep. Chapter 1 from verse 16 to 18, he says, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from majestic glory, saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard his voice, this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. This event remained inscribed in the disciples' memory. And when they found themselves facing difficulties and persecutions, they remembered it. It made more sense when Jesus rose from the dead. They had an opportunity to see him in his glory, but they also had an opportunity to see him resurrected. If there's anything you would like to write, or to have a bumper sticker on your car, for those of you that like having bumper stickers, have something like, Jesus is everything. Just write something like that. So that when people, they, okay, he's every, can you explain that to me? For those of you that print t-shirts, how about a t-shirt that says, Jesus is everything. He's either everything in our lives, or he is nothing at all. He must be the focus of everything. Listen to him. You and I need to encourage one another to listen to Jesus Christ. To obey him. To be more like him. To make him known. Because he is everything. Thank you, Father, again for this morning. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the good plans that you have for us and everything else, Lord. There are many times we are tempted to forget that, Father, you are the focus of our lives, that your son is everything in our lives. Help us, Lord. Help us to focus on Jesus. Help us to be like him. Help us to make him known. And for those of us that have questions, Lord, how I pray that you may answer them. For those of us that are still looking unto you, we are still thinking on whether we should submit to you or not. How I pray that your Holy Spirit may make this clear to them in your own way, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, for those of you that have kids that are downstairs, they have a party today. After the the lesson they, they, they have, there's also a Valentine's party downstairs. 
The reason I'm telling you this is because my wife told me not to be done early. <laughs> so I, I will ask you, for those of you who have kids, give them some time and then we, we will find out when they are done and then you can go for, for your kids. For those of you who celebrate Valentine's, may you have a happy Valentine, knowing that Jesus is the focus of everything. God bless you.